0: It's the Paddle Woo Podcast. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Paddle Woo Podcast. I am your host, and my name is Eric, and I am pumped. I'm always pumped. I'm super excited about our guest today. He was one of the first folks that I reached out to to be on the show. I sent him an email, and he never responded. I was all pissed off. Then I found out after chatting with him that he didn't use that email anymore. And so it had nothing to do with not wanting to be on the show. His name is Kiahi de Abuitis. I always said Abuitz, but I think it's Abuitis. And uh, he is pretty darn cool. He's an incredible surfer. He's an incredible, incredible kite surfer. You could say the best in the world because he's won the world championship multiple times. Uh, And he's an amazing uh, paddle surfer. Uh, the guy has some of the best videos in the world, hands down. I think I have probably watched more videos of Kiyahi on a paddleboard than anyone else, uh, at least more times. Um, his Indo one and two videos, the barrels that he gets on paddleboards, the amount of consequence that he's putting himself into there, coming out of just insane barrels, doing big airs. It's it's uh, I don't know. There's not a lot of people that are willing to do that and then pull it off and look as mellow as he does dave baney says the guy's a style master compliments him for being so smooth through turns uh, and if it's coming from dave who is the style master that's gotta that's gotta say something so we've got him on the show today we talk for almost an hour get into boards travels differences in kite surfing some cool stuff that he's been up to Moved to maui i mean the north shore sorry not maui to the to the north shore and so uh it's a good podcast. I really enjoyed it. He's a mellow cat, and uh, it's a good listen. So enjoy that. Before we get started on the show, let's take, uh, let's go through some stuff that's happening in the world of paddlewoo and Blue Zone Sup. So, uh, I've been out of the water for four days, just took a break. After the progression project, I started wearing a GPS watch at the end of the progression project. And according to the Ambit 3, thank you, Sunto, for sending that my way. I appreciate that. It's been fun testing. According to the Ambit 3, it's saying that I was burning about 2,000 calories a day, between 2,000 and 2,300 calories a day. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. It was really cool, but I needed some time to just relax because I've got a couple cool weeks coming up here. That I'll fill you guys in on soon some awesome stuff happening in the world of uh, blue Zone down here um, so that's pretty neat um, one thing that I didn't think about doing the progression project and having nine of the world's best paddle surfers here is that uh, we had you know three video cameras on the beach and now our the way that we coach here is a series of uh, practical kind of out-of-the-water sessions and then reviews of post-session surfing. And the way that we do some of the reviews is we break it down with your video and then compare it to uh, other, other surfers' videos. And our video library, I would say 100% sure is the best video library of paddle surfing in the world now. We have, Man, it, Brian and I just broke down the footage since the progression project ended for the last two weeks. And it took us almost two weeks to go through the video. We had three cameras. We had nine surfers. I think we surfed probably almost 20 sessions. And so do the math on that, uh, thousands of waves. And we have it all broken down now. Uh, and so we have that in our library to, to break down. And we'll, over the next few months, be putting that all into cohesive coaching. We might actually release a video or two on, on some coaching, uh, coming up. That's something we've been thinking about doing. Let me know if that's a good idea, but I think it might be fun. Just a lot of work. And if, uh, if there's a demand for it, maybe we'll do it. So let me know. All right, guys, email me, Eric, E R I K at paddlewoo.com with constructive criticism. Uh, if you want to explore coming down to the blue zone and hanging out for a bit, progressing on your subsurfing, um, or uh suggestions for the show in regards to guests. I'm always uh I'm always interested. And let's hop into our interview uh without further ado. Kiahi De Avoitis is on the show this week and it is a fun one. Enjoy. All right. Uh Kiahi, thank you very much for being on the show today. How are you?
1: Yeah, good. Good to... Good to finally talk
0: to you again. Yeah, man. I've been looking forward to this one. When I when I specked out my list, when I decided to start a podcast, you were my top five guys to talk to. So uh, I'm excited this is happening. So it's cool.
1: Right,
0: cool. Thanks. <laughs> right on. Um, to start things off, you are a surfer, a kite surfer, a paddle surfer. You pretty much do everything in the water. How did that start for you? Like, Were you groomed to be a waterman from a very young age?
1: Yeah, I guess it kind of... My dad was the one who, who really basically got me into everything. He was kind of similar. He grew up surfing. He actually grew up in Hawaii and was working as a, a beach boy in Hawaii, kind of in Waikiki, doing basically everything on the water and teaching all the sports. And he kind of just, I guess, grew up doing, doing everything with longboard surfing, windsurfing, got into kite surfing, got into, into stand-up. And in a way, I guess I kind of just followed in his footsteps, really. Basically he when I when I grew up in Australia, he was always into surfing, got me into surfing when I was about five and then started kiting. He was one of the first people that started kiting in, in Australia and got me into that when I was about eleven and then he was one of the first people that started doing stand up in Australia and especially in Noosa and Yeah, basically kinda just started doing that and basically never looked back. I kinda always grew up loving, loving everything to do with the water. So from then on, I kind of tried to just make it my career.
0: Were you into windsurfing too? Was your dad a windsurfer before a kite surfer?
1: Uh, He he was, but that was kind of one thing I guess I never, never really did or never really picked up from him. It's kind of one of those sports that at least the places that, that I've grown up, it's, it's not as, I guess, worthwhile as, as some of the other sports windsurfing kind of you, you need it to be super strong wind or kind of really perfect sideshore side offshore conditions and with kiting and stand-up you kind of just have I guess more options to to get out there in better conditions so I kind of just stuck with yeah with those
0: so when did when did you first see someone paddle surfing in Australia
1: yeah it's probably Basically, my dad and then a few other guys, my my dad was kind of, I think, one of the first ones that, that started at home. He was always actually into tandem surfing, kind of doing that, or he was actually world champion a couple of years doing tandem surfing. So he had a couple old tandem surfing boards, big 12-footers, and I guess saw some stuff of stand-up in Hawaii and got himself a paddle and kind of just started surfing on his old tandem boards with a paddle and from there it started getting some smaller boards slowly and i guess that's kind of how it all started
0: when did you get into performance stand-up surfing
1: um for me it was basically my dad he he kind of slowly started getting more and more into it he started a a stand-up school at home that was kind of mostly more of like a a stand-up tour business where they'd basically take people out on the river and basically do river tours with that. And he was slowly kind of getting more and more into the surf as well and had some smaller boards. And I remember trying kind of one of the first, I think it was actually like a, a 10-foot paddle surf Hawaii board that I tried. And that was the first kind of big board that I tried that I actually was like, well, I can can turn this thing. And that's when I guess I started to get into it more and more. We had a a local shaper at home, uh, Laguna Bay Longboards and a guy named Tully that used to shape kind of, well, he was one of the first guys that started shaping stand-ups and basically got a few from him. I remember getting a nine or trying a friend's nine six from him. That was when I got on that, it was like, wow, this thing turns insane. And then basically slowly just started going smaller and smaller. I remember he made, made a nine oh for someone that I tried and was couldn 't believe how fast it turned, then tried an eight six and sure enough, same feeling again, and got an eight footer and it was kind of one of those things where you just like oh, I guess we can just keep going smaller and yeah i couldn 't believe kind of when I finally got onto an eight an footer how how fast you could actually turn the thing and how well you could actually surf it
0: um. It's funny, Dave Bainey just recorded a podcast and on the show we were talking about videos and folks on tour and all sorts of stuff. And I don't remember if it made the show or not, it's gonna come out here in the next week. But he uh he talks about you a little bit and about when you went to, I think it was location X or something like that, one of the stops on tour, and you yeah. showed up with a board that was like eight inches bigger than anyone else's board. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then talked about how you drop down pretty quickly thereafter and, uh, just the style that you bring into surfing is very complimentary about that. Um, so it's pretty cool. You'll hear that at some point. How did, oh, co- yeah. how did competition start for you? Uh, was that the idea from, from the get go or did you just like decide, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty decent at this. Maybe I should give it a go.
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I guess I, I started doing it a lot at home and every year we have a competition called the Noosa Festival of Surfing which is basically a, a really big longboarding comp that happens every year and it's been going for about 30 years now and the last five or so years they've had a stand-up division so basically kind of did that one a couple of times the first time I did it I made it to the final and the second time I did it I think I got third and kind of slowly started getting better results and yeah it was kind of when i i guess started competing in the stand up side. I was kind of watching all the all the tour stops as it started and figured I should try and get over and do one and the first one I decided to do was actually in California and I remember when I went over to that the first time i was I was riding an eight footer and back then that was kind of like basically one of the the way smaller boards everyone was still on bigger boards and I think I was kind of one of the first people that I guess was riding a smaller one there and ended so, up having... So what was
0: Dave talking about?
1: I think it's basically... <laughs> I, I kind of went through a phase and the, I think the California event was the, the first one that I kind of brought a small board to and was doing pretty well. I mean, there was a few guys on small boards, guys like Kai, but a lot of guys are on bigger boards and I think basically the, the gap between that and then the Location X event... Which was either at the end of that year or the year after, I basically kind of got left behind a little bit. I guess I kind of stayed on an eight footer, and everyone started going to to eight footers and seven sixes and seven twos. And I guess by the time I got to the location X event, then I was basically yeah on a, on a board a lot bigger than everyone else.
0: What are you riding now?
1: Right now, I'm kind of trying a few different boards. I've kind of gone back to. I guess I guess I went went down to some of the seven fours. I had a seven six and kind of started trying playing playing with some narrow lists and now I actually went back to to one that I'm trying now, a little prototype with which is a s a seven eight by twenty six, which I'm I'm really enjoying. It's it's about ninety liters, so it's actually kind of a lot of volume for me, which is which is kind of good and bad. I mean, it is harder to turn. It is not as radical as some of the boards, but I think it serves more than well enough, especially in a, a good wave. And I kind of just got to the point where I didn't really want to try try paddling around, and every time I stopped, I sunk to my, my knees or my thighs, and it kind of just takes the fun out of it once you get to that point. So I kind of tried to find that, that happy medium.
0: Yeah, you know, what I've been playing around with a little bit lately and – Everyone who listens to the show knows that I'm kind of landing in that same mindset right now too. Is uh, the new board I'm riding is a seven six twenty six and a half, and I find it's eighty six liters. I find that with a little bit more surface area, you can stay up on the water a lot easier, even with you know not a ton of volume. And so I think that my days of like the seven four twenty five is probably over, even if I go lower in volume, just because I think you can paddle. Uh, a little easier with more surface area
1: yeah definitely it's it's kind of thing too once you go go shorter especially if you you keep it wider you just lose so much momentum i remember trying yeah some of the smaller boards and the the seven four by 27 the the jp I, i really like the way it says but the difference between kind of a little bit of extra length and the and the, the width kind of makes a huge difference in paddling speed, yeah. kind of the longer the board, the narrower it is, the, the faster it goes. And it's kind of finding that, that balance, I guess, trying to find something in between and yeah, I guess just kind of finding something that works for paddling and works good for surfing.
0: Yeah. I, I have the seven, twenty seven, and I like the board a lot when it is a steep wave. Exactly. Yeah. I find that I have a lot of trouble surfing that board when it's uh, kind of mushy, kind of uh and rails or whatever. But 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 in good barely surf, that board does really well. And that's the board you rode in your Indo videos, right?
1: Yeah, that was kind of yeah. Just a, one of the the first, I guess, really small boards I tried. That was kind of the next step down for me from a eight zero, and it was basically the first one I tried. I got. Bernard to shape me a board and basically loved it and kind of especially in yeah in powerful waves it as long as you kind of had the power there the the board works yeah it works insane it was super fast and drivey and because of all the rocker you had I guess if it was steep it was it was pretty easy to keep the nose up so you can hit it super late come down and mm-hmm. for airs it was a, a great board because it kind of had. I guess yeah, a lot of rocket to, to kind of keep the nose up, and yeah, I used that board for for a couple of years. Had some some really good trips on it. Used it at home for some really good surf, and then over in Indo, and yeah, it worked insane over there.
0: Your boards have straight fins. Uh, can you kind of walk everyone through what the rationale behind having no cant in your fins is? I'm not sure even I yeah, understand. It's,
1: it's, it's it's pretty funny because I didn't actually really pick up on that until until somebody else mentioned it, and I think a lot of people didn't even realize until a few people started picking up on it. But I think it basically it it all came down to is is Werner Nigler, the guy that designs the boards, has basically been a, a windsurf board shaper for the last 20 30 years. I think so. That's kind of I guess the boards came more from from that style of design, and he kind of just brought in, I guess, a different view and a different background than than other shapes, shapers did. He kind of just started, I guess, experimenting with things like that. And I think it worked because it's something different. Rather than kind of having, yeah, like cant and an angle in the fins, he kind of basically kept the fin straight. And I think that's why a lot of the boards had some rockers to kind of compensate for that and in the end i think it what it makes for is a a really fast board and kind of a different feeling board than you used to and yeah i've always really liked the boards that he brings out
0: okay so in those videos you've you've dropped and i think that your videos are uh have been very influential in the sport if you look at just the views i mean you are Arguably the most popular surfer in the sport based on video views, right? Um yeah. if you uh look at those videos, which has your been been your favorite, your personal favorite?
1: Um I gonna say the, the Indo trip was was pretty fun. I mean just kind of that trip in general I think was kind of one of the best ones I went on. It's it's basically a place that I've been going for a few years, kinda of go there to kite every year and basically yeah when i went uh a couple of years ago i looked like a, a lot of in the forecast figured i'd throw a stand up in and basically ended up scoring a week straight of six to eight feet and perfect waves kind of surfing and stand up all morning and, and kiting all afternoon and i think i basically did like seven days straight of eight hours a day on the water and I don't know how I made it through that week, but yeah, it was one of the the best weeks of staffing that I've had in a while. And it's always good when you score a trip like that.
0: Yeah. The barrels in that video are insane. Both, both those videos, one in part one and part two. How, how bad did you pay the price for some of those?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely had some good beatings, but there was, there was nothing too bad. I know there's one in there where I kind of got held up in the wind and basically free fell and exploded and, I think I ended up ripping out a, a fin box and losing my paddle and breaking my leash. But other than that, it was <laughs> kind of not too bad. No injuries and just kind of some water to drain out of my nose a bit later, I guess. But other than that, all good.
0: If you miss your board, you're doing all right. And if you don't hit the reef, it's a bonus, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, was that Licky Peak?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty fun spot, sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... Now, you've traveled all over Indo-Fiji. How was the Fiji trip?
1: Yeah, Fiji's a pretty amazing place. It's ended up going there twice in the, the last couple of years. I went over there for a, a stand-up shoot or a stand-up video that we did called Living the Stoke 2, which we ended up scoring some some really fun waves, kind of checked out not just Cloudbreak, some of the other spots, and then also Cloudbreak on a big day. And yeah, that place is amazing. I mean, you've got... Some of the most world class waves you've got all sorts of different waves you've got mellow lefts, kind of heavier lefts like Cloudbreak. you've got some fun rights. and yeah, I had a blast i mean there's there's just so many options and some of the yeah like the craziest barrels you can can find if you want to go for them
0: I spent a couple of weeks at Cloudbreak a few years ago before i before I was into stand up surfing, and that's a tricky wave i mean it's it's not easy to to really get barreled once it gets big out there how was it on the stand-up i i assume it was chaos
1: yeah it's it's kind of a, a bit of a learning curve i mean with any sort of wave like that it's it's a pretty interesting wave because although there is a channel eventually down the line it's it's kind of a wave in a way that it doesn't really have a channel i mean it's kind of almost essentially a point that kind of breaks on an angle on the reef and you don't want to stay into the inside you kind of want to Go as long as you can and kind of make the most of it and then get out before it starts going dry and stretched out on the inside and it's kinda of just all about picking the right ones. It's if you pick the right little double up it's it's so round that it doesn't matter what you're on, you can fit a, a big board in there and it's all about kind of just yeah, trying to figure it out and picking the good ones and then holding your line and hoping you find an exit really. <laughs>
0: So we showed up. It was my birthday a few years ago when when we got there. And I promised myself because it was like two days of travel that I wasn't going to surf the first day. Just going to give myself a day to like rest and, you know, not go out there and get hurt. And so we we show up and we're taking the boat out. It was like a 7 a.m. boat, which was rare to come out that way at at 7 a.m. But um, as we're coming out, you can just see it's just pumping. I mean, it's beautiful, like no wind at all like 10 to 12 foot faces. I'm like there's no way I'm not going. My boards didn't show up, so I borrowed a board from one of the boat one of the one of the boat drivers. And uh, you know, an hour after 30 hours of travel, we get out there and drop into my first wave it was like the easiest roll I've ever had, you know, like kind of just like do two little turns and and just kind of get my feet under me again, kick out, and I'm cloud nine, right? And then the yeah. dude falls on the next wave and so I'm like halfway back out. I'm like, oh I'm gonna go on this. And I start paddling in, start paddling in, and the whole thing's just a whole different everything's different. And I uh, make the drop, come around, and I'm just flying down the line and the thing just keeps stacking up and stacking up farther down the line, farther down the line. I just can't get out of it, right? So yeah. so finally then I, I I make it out, kick out, and I'm like celebrating. And the next wave behind, it's probably, you know, it's Shishkebabs area. It's like, I don't know, eight feet or whatnot. And um, I go to, uh, it breaks right in front of me. I go to duck dive and it was knuckles into the reef. Yeah. And I just got shellacked. Uh, ended up sitting on the boat, bleeding out of both legs and my elbows and uh, broke the guy's board. I <laughs> <laughs> felt yeah, so man. bad. <laughs>
1: definitely not a fun situation I can say I've been in a pretty similar one there it's it's so easy to kind of get get suckered into those ones and I mean like you ask a lot of people and it's it's kind of like the good ones there to be honest are the ones that you think are going to close out they kind of just have that super stretched out wall and I remember this year actually taking one on a short board and basically kind of like a a semi-crowded day and it was one of those ones and just kind of like no one else going looking around and it's like, fuck, I better go. I guess no one else wants it, and I just remember kind of taking off and setting my line, and just started pumping, and all I could see is just the perfect stretched-out line, and there's there's nothing you can do except just kind of stand there and hope for the best. And I remember traveling <laughs> for a long time until finally it kind of just caught up, and the foam ball basically picked me up, and somehow I got super lucky. I only sort of touched the reef a little bit, and. It's one of those things you kind of pop up from that, and if you're lucky, there's nothing behind it, but it's pretty easy to get stuck with, yeah, with a six footer on your head. And luckily, I kind of snuck back out and made sure I didn't go for another one of those for a while, anyway.
0: <laughs> did you, where else did you surf for? You, did you surf restaurants? Uh, Wilkes?
1: Never actually surfed restaurants, but I, yeah, scored some, some pretty fun days at Wilkes, and then uh, a couple of days kind of down on the Coral Coast. the the last time I went a couple of years ago and there's kind of some, some fun waves down there, which with a little less people and it's a little more wind affected and weather affected, but there's some pretty fun waves if you look and it's kind of nice just to, to go and explore, I guess, and see what else it has to offer.
0: All right. So let me ask you something technical here, basically cause I want to learn your philosophy on it. When you're in a barrel like that and you know, there's no hope, what is your eject strategy? when you know you're not making it
1: yeah it, it kind of depends I guess if you really know you're not going to make it I guess usually I I'm kind of a dive guy where I'll try and dive off the front of my board and if you're lucky enough you can kind of penetrate out the back and sometimes you kind of just have to stand there I've got a, a pretty good sequence of, of me this year right it was a, a really solid day kind of a a rising swell, like long period swell at at perfect cloud break. And I just remember seeing a a few really crazy ones and figured I'll just, I'll try to go for a bomb and ended up locking into a a solid eight footer and right as I kind of went to knife the drop. I kind of like bogged my shoulder a little bit in the wall. And to be honest, it kind of, from that moment, I knew I was basically too deep and it was one of the, the first like really big barrels that I guess, all I could do was kind of just stand there and enjoy the view for a moment before I basically got lit up. And I remember just kind of like standing there in one of the roundest barrels I've ever been in, and kind of nothing I could do until the foam ball hit me, and kind of just pin drop, got blown up. And I think as long as you kind of get that view at least, then it's it's usually all worth it. And- <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's all about trying to get away from your board as much as possible and if you're lucky you can kind of avoid too much damage.
0: Yeah, that's I've, backside I have bad luck hitting my board. Front, front side I'm usually alright. Once I stopped, I, I used to try to jump off the front front side and ended up hitting my board hitting my legs a number of times pretty hard. Okay. So Yeah, I, I,
1: I guess it's a, yeah, it's a fine line. I think I usually go for the, the dive off the front but I think what it comes down to a lot of the time too is when I pull in I'm I'm standing pretty far forward on my board, so I guess there's a little less board to clear, which yeah, helps.
0: Can you explain that? Because that's something that I've never really been into riding bigger boards until stand-ups, and so I'm not very familiar with, with being on the nose when you're pulling in, but I watch you do it. I watch Colin do it. A lot of guys prefer to be on the nose when they're pulling in.
1: Yeah, I guess. For me, uh, I grew up in New so we 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 surf on boards a lot. It's kind of a perfect, perfect setup. And I kind of had a bit of experience, I guess, pulling in on bigger boards. And I guess I never really made a conscious effort effort to do it. It kind of just started happening. And I guess the fact that you say Colin does it, it's, it's also a similar, he's got kind of the same idea. I think what it is, is the further forward you get, kind of the more rail you can keep in the water and the further you can kind of keep your nose away from the lip and I kind of just remember basically like seeing photos or, or GoPro clips of myself and just looking where my feet are and kind of that's when I realized how far forward I was but I kind of just think that's the, the best way to, to get as deep as you can and kind of hold the rail as good as possible and it seems like it works. I mean, I've managed to fit a, fit a stand up into some pretty small little barrels so obviously something's working right. <laughs>
0: what's your thought on it backside backside you get got that paddle in the way no matter what you try to do
1: yeah I don't know I kind of just it's it's funny I actually almost feel more comfortable pulling in on on bigger boards rather than small boards even even bigger short boards I remember trying to set off like a little 5.11 backside and going back to like a 6.4 and then a stand up I kind of like having I guess all that extra rail to get more forward on the board and I think it's kind of just all about figuring out the technique and kind of the more you do it the more you you figure it out and I've kind of found that I like to really kind of butt drag as well on a, on a stand up stay super on the rail pretty far forward and I kind of just like to to hold the handle of the the paddle kind of out in front of my face I guess just to kind of keep that hand there and sort of point my way out of the barrel and it, it seems to work pretty well I had some of the the crazier backside tubes I've had, had this year anyway, which you'll, you'll see in the, the new video for the contest. So I guess it's kind of just figuring out what works and kind of sticking to it.
0: Uh, I can't wait to see that video. (laughs) I cannot wait. Um, all right, let's, uh, you just moved to Hawaii. I don't know if you just moved to Hawaii, but you live in Hawaii now. Um, what, what facilitated that move? How do you like it there?
1: Well, well, basically, it's I've kind of been coming to Hawaii my whole life. My mom's actually originally from Hawaii, and my dad actually grew up here as well. They, my mom grew up on the east side of Oahu, and I have a, a whole lot of family here. My my mom's parents still live here. A bunch of cousins do, and basically, the last kind of four years, four or five years, I've started spending more and more time here cabrina my kite sponsor they they're based on maui and we do a lot of shooting kind of on oahu and maui and i actually met my girlfriend here a few years ago and it's kind of just the perfect place to to spend winter it's good surf some good wind every now and then and yeah it's kind of just everything everything over winter some big swells nice temperature and yeah i love it
0: are you accepted in most lineups on the stand-up
1: I guess so. It's kind of for me I I try to just find my own space. A lot of the the places I like to surf, I try to kind of find little zones that aren't too crowded and the biggest thing that I kind of like about it is you can chase some of the little or some of the bigger actually outer reef waves and kind of find little zones that I guess aren't as good for a shortboard but but super fun for a stand up and that's kind of what I like about Oahu is it's got some of the, the most world-class insane waves anywhere, but it's also got kind of these super fun little zones that are uncrowded and just really fun waves that if you know where to look, you can score some, some really good sessions and having the stand-up kind of opens up a few more places that are a little bit further out or a little bit harder to get to. And I kind of try to, to stick to session like that, honestly, and kind of less people to deal with is, is more fun anyway.
0: What's your favorite type of wave on a stand-up?
1: kind of like to be honest no matter what I'm on I, I want to get barreled getting barrels still kind of the holy grail but the good thing about stand-up is it, it doesn't have to be kind of that perfect anything that's sort of long pretty solid something that you can do some big turns or have some good sections and I found now that I've kind of spent more and more time in Hawaii I'm really liking those bigger days so I spend a lot of time kind of around Laniakea surfing these sort of waves and that wave when it's when it's big and the right swell direction is pretty amazing I've had some some days when it's yeah like six to eight or ten feet and it's one of the the funnest waves on the north shore super powerful long rides and kind of really started to like surf like that
0: um are you into big wave surfing as well
1: kind of i guess getting more and more into it i'm not necessarily as into it as some of the guys chasing the the really solid waves but kind of the more time i spend here i'm I'm really enjoying you know, paddling kind of some of the the 8 to 12 foot days i'm not ready to start paddling out on 11 footers trying to take off on basically giant waves and getting smoked yet but i also like trying to do a little bit of toe surfing on the bigger days and it's kind of the benefit of Hawaii is you have so many different options with with what you can ride and where you can surf and I think we'll see what happens in the future. But I'll probably start getting more and more into it. I think.
0: Yeah, it seems like if you live in Hawaii long enough, you're going to get into big wave surfing.
1: Definitely, it's 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 pretty funny. Like, kind of the I remember the first event that I did in Sunset, probably four years ago. It was kind of like I was pretty new to the whole thing. I remember it was probably six to eight feet at sunset and showing up the first morning of the comp and we're sitting there like waiting for the call. And the first thing I hear is, Oh, I don't think it's big enough. We're probably going to wait for the, for the next well. And meanwhile, I've got my, my eight Oh, I'm already thinking it's too big. And it was kind of a, I guess a bit of a wake up call. Whereas now the last couple of years, I'm kind of looking for those, those big days, kind of wanting those, those real solid, almost out of control days. Cause yeah it's, it's it's funny i just kind of started yeah, enjoying surfing stuff like that and it's funny how things change
0: well I, lo- I watched the last sunset event i think it was the last one I but i remember seeing you on some some bigger surf and smashing the lip surfing really critical um on some bigger surf there it was good
1: yeah i kind of just i guess it's yeah the more experience you have the more you start kind of looking for those waves there's there's a lot of really good surf that starts to show up on some of the outer east when it gets that big. So that's kind of what I've been, I guess, focusing a lot over the winners and I think it's I've really improved a lot when it comes to that.
0: Do you prefer to be on a stand up in bigger surf or or paddling in prone? Yeah, I kind of
1: gotta say that's one of the, the main benefits of is having a, a stand up in some of that bigger surf. It it works really well I mean you can kind of chase down peaks super easy you can position yourself well and then basically riding a bigger board and having having the paddle to help you turn is is super beneficial I mean once it kind of gets to that 8 to 10 foot range if you're riding a small board it's it's pretty hard to catch waves so once you're on a stand up and kind of everyone's on similar size board surfing you, it's amazing how how well you can actually Turn a big stand-up. I've got some some really good boards off JP for when it gets bigger, and they made me some some really good guns. That yeah, I was amazed. I mean, even when it's eight to ten feet, you can still go straight up and hit the lip. And yeah, it kind of it's pretty nice to have that that paddle for extra balance or stability. And I think with with stand-up and bigger waves, you can
0: definitely open up pretty pretty solid. I- how does your board set up? What are those boards uh for the bigger surf? How do they compare to your normal stand ups?
1: basically kind of just a little bit longer. The one I've got right now is is a proto that they made me made me last year and basically eight five by twenty six it's got a nice rounded pin, and for those sort of waves it it works really well like it's got a thruster set up and it's pretty amazing no matter how big it is, it, it holds really well. You can drive super hard off the bottom. And, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of one of those boards that no matter how big it gets, it seems like it, it still works really well. And i got to give it to to guys like Werner. He shapes a, a really good board. I'm always really impressed when basically every board I get is pretty much working well. And eventually they all seem to, to end up in production because they, they work so well.
0: Do you change your fin setups for bigger surf
1: a little bit? I guess I've kind of always been mostly a thruster guy. I kind of like that feeling a little bit better it's I guess a little bit more control and I think with the straight straight fins i'm I'm getting enough speed and I guess when it gets bigger, I'm kind of just depending on the size, running slightly bigger fins. If my board feels a little bit slidier i'll I'll put in a a few bigger fins, or just a bigger back fin, and it kind of just yeah, really depends on the conditions and and how it feels. But overall, I think I run pretty similar fins kind of most of the time.
0: What do you use in your in your normal short board? Your seven eight twenty six that you're riding now. What's your fin setup?
1: Uh, at the moment, I'm pretty much I'm basically using kind of medium fins, basically kind of fives or sometimes sevens, but kind of mostly, yeah, mostly fives. And that usually seems to to work pretty well for me. I kind of like that balance between kind of just enough hold on the bottom where it's, if you push too hard, it might slide out, but it's nice to kind of have that option to to release off the top. So it's kind of finding that line. And I think kind of smaller ways I'm, I'm using basically, yeah, fives. And when it's bigger, sometimes using sevens or a slightly bigger back fin just to kind of compensate.
0: Is your prototype board? Does it have a a fin box in the back, or are you using the FCS setup there?
1: I think uh, I kind of got a bit of both, just trying trying out what works. And either way, it kind of seems to do the job. I think one might have a have a box, and the other one might have the FCS plugs. And as long as you kind of, I guess, find something that's comparable in size, it it works pretty well.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, so it was a bummer that you didn't get to do some of the events this year because you got hurt. Um, you doing all right now? You, you bounced back 100. percent
1: Yeah. So this year I was I was kind of all there, but last year was a, a, a pretty hard one for me. Basically, the first two events I I did really well. We ended up having yeah a pretty good event at, at sunset. I ended up getting fourth, and from there I went over to Brazil and had my best event yet. I ended up getting second and then backing it up with a, a ninth in the wave pool and for me that was kind of the best start to the year I've had in a while. I was looking pretty good and unfortunately right after that I was at home surfing down at Snapper and ended up taking a pretty bad wipeout. I landed on the stand on my ankle and ended up snapping the tibia and fibula in my, my ankle and it put me out for basically two months in a moon boot and another couple months slowly getting back into it and kind of that, I guess, ended my year, which which sucked a little bit. I mean, I still ended up having a, a decent result in the end. I only ended up missing France and um, California, which wasn't great, but I think I still kind of ended up in, in seventh place, which for me was a, a good year. But it's one of those things that, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's never fun to have injuries like that. All that downtime is... It's pretty hard to get through kind of going from surfing every day to stuck on crutches not being able to do much and i'm stoked to be now basically back where i was i mean i want to say my ankles at 90 95 percent it's not stopping me from doing anything now and it's definitely makes you think about things now i, I used to like to to pull into a lot of closeouts and I still like to do stuff like that, but you definitely start thinking about the consequences a little bit more, which is probably a good thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, that happened to me. I, I pulled into a, a bunch of barrels after that cloud break trip. I just came home, was pulling into barrels, and then got hurt twice in a row. And I, I don't pull into as many closeout barrels anymore. <laughs> H- how did you keep yourself busy during that uh, during the off time?
1: Yeah, it's 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 pretty funny because kind of right before that. I hurt myself. We we did a trip with, with Cabrina over to French Polynesia and up in the, the Tuamotus off Tahiti, and we ended up getting some pretty amazing conditions. And it's pretty funny. Before that trip, I had kind of one of the, basically the little toy remote control drones, the little $50 ones that you fly around. And I guess I got pretty good at that. And Cabrina's filmer, Anders, basically told me, all right, we're going to get a drone for this trip and, and you're going to fly it. So I was kind of like, <laughs> okay, I guess as long as I'm not responsible when it goes down, then sure, I'll give it a go. And basically that trip, I kind of started flying one for the first time and had a blast. I mean, it was easier than I expected. We got some some really good footage and I pretty much went home from that and almost bought one right away. I was kind of thinking, oh, I don't know how much I'll use it we'll see what happens and then basically when I when I broke my ankle I was kind of all the all the excuse I needed and went out and bought one kind of the next week and for me it was kind of the perfect way to to kind of I guess get through the downtime at least even though I'm not surfing I mean flying those things and trying to film with those is a lot of fun it's kind of I guess a lot more adrenaline or a lot more stress than just filming with a normal camera, and it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, I had a really great time filming with that while I was injured. I think it really helped get me through it. I got some some pretty cool footage, and yeah, had a lot of fun with that while I was out.
0: What drone do you have now?
1: I uh, I got the Phantom Two. Basically, that's yeah, that's what I got when I hurt myself, and it's pretty amazing that they're pretty simple little drones but the results are definitely pretty impressive.
0: Oh yeah, the uh, the um buddy of mine down here just got the the Phantom 3 yeah, the I've 4K seen some of the stuff. Oh, it's they ridiculous. Pretty amazing. It's ridiculous. Um let's see here. Anything else you want to touch on? I've covered a lot of good stuff today. I'm stoked yeah, on it. I
1: think it. that's it's probably probably good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, well yeah I'll think of some new stuff and I'll get you back on in a couple months Um, any final thoughts you want to leave folks with oh actually I do have one more question for you what is your favorite so when I look at when I think about like the difference between like shortboarding and paddle surfing there's there's specific moments in each of those sports that I like and I think about and that I kind of picture my mind after a session or whatever for you you've got kite surfing you've got surfing you've got paddle surfing what are your favorite moments from each of those sports how do they differentiate in your mind and you can't just say getting barreled because that's a cop-out
1: uh, i gotta say that getting barreled is probably one of the funnest things you can do and for me i think kind <laughs> on of, all of like them? basically kind of for me on the the perfect day i think i'd probably surf a shortboard over anything if it's six feet slabbing barrels and perfect I'll probably take out a shortboard but I guess the the thing with shortboarding is it's it's so hard to to have everything line up to to be perfect and having kiting and surfing just or kiting and stand-up sorry allows for so many more fun days I mean I think like I said probably my favorite thing to do on the, the perfect day is shortboarding but overall I probably have more fun stand-up and kiting kind of in general just because it kind of makes the the more mediocre or kind of average conditions way more fun than you'd have on anything else with with kiting especially if it's onshore and blown out you can go and turn out it or just basically change it a really bad session into one of the most fun sessions ever and with stand-up you can turn kind of smaller less powerful waves into a lot of fun so that's kind of what i like i guess is just mixing it up especially and having having kind of all those options to essentially kind of make the most out of
0: of any condition do you feel like they all make you better at the other sports
1: i think so i mean in a way it kind of messes you up at times but the way i see it kind of the more time you spend on the water the the better it is for everything whether it's fitness for one or just kind of i guess being out there and kind of learning different lines you can take and kind of just improving everything overall. I think it all helps. And I think if you kind of get locked into one sport, you almost can burn yourself out sometimes or you can find yourself not getting out there if it's kind of not perfect condition. So I think kind of having, having everything just makes me get out there and make the most out of
0: basically anything. I think... Two two things that I find most impressive that I've seen uh, you post over the last year, neither of them are stand-up. One of them <laughs> is your kite surfing body three, shove it three. I don't even know what you call it. What is that thing? You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, it's 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 pretty funny how, how far that kind of side of the sport is, has come. I remember there's a guy, Ian Aldridge, that basically probably – four years ago was one of the first people that started doing what we call a strapless front roll. I mean, people have been doing some pretty amazing stuff with straps when they're locked into their board, but he was kind of one of the first guys that, yeah, went out and basically did a full rotation front roll with, without straps. And I think it kind of freaked a lot of people out. Everyone thought he was using glue or Velcro. And it's pretty funny that kind of how far it came over the last, last few years. And, Nowadays, what what guys are doing is is insane. There's a few guys that can can do the same trick, and it's pretty amazing just what you can do by basically using the wind to to stick your board to your feet. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of a whole another a whole another side of the sport that even when it's flat, you can go out and have fun, and yeah, I kind of just enjoy basically doing everything and mixing it up.
0: What I found most impressive about that is that how halfway through that air, you move, you slide your front foot to the center point of the board for the ver- shove it or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, you actually move your foot to be the um, the center there. That that was pretty incredible. The other one, the, the second thing that I found and super impressive that I've watched more than a few times too is some huge backside barrel that you pull into. I believe it's backside. Yeah. And the whole wave closes out and then you come ejecting out through the through the lip, through the curtain. That's pretty yeah. sick, too. Is that common? Is that something you're doing all the time there, or is that kind of a one-off?
1: Uh, it, it happens, I guess, pretty frequently. I mean, it's kind of having a kite can either help or hinder you, really. I mean, as long as you keep it in the air, it, it can really save you kind of, no matter how heavy the wave is, if you control it right, you can essentially pull yourself kind of out of harm's way and a lot of the time that involves going straight through the lip which can look bad and it might be kind of bad but a lot of the time that's better than going going over the falls it's basically it's all good until a kite goes down and then then you're in a, a worse place than you would be surfing once you kind of get kind of caught around those lines or stuck with all those lines around you and a kite dragging you it's it's not fun so it's kind of it's all about sort of knowing how to stay out of those situations and for the most part yeah you can kind of just eject yourself out the back when things go wrong which is pretty nice when it all works right
0: yeah well that was sick to watch all right what do you want to leave folks with parting words
1: um i guess for me if just kind of go out and and try different things don't lock yourself down to to one sport or one style, go out and, and mix it up. Even if it's just in stand up, try try riding bigger boards or smaller boards and different shapes. And I kind of just, yeah, I, I never like riding the the same thing too much. I find I start to get bored or burned out. And I guess having all those different options just allows for a lot more fun or gets you excited to, to go out and try something different. So I guess that's the biggest thing I'd. I'd tell people to do go out and mix it up
0: right on, Well Kiai, thank you for being a part of the show we appreciate it and i can't wait to see your video for the contest coming up
1: no worries it's good talking to you it's the PaddleWoo podcast